It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. I'm Jim Galanti along with Dustin in the wind, Hawkinsmith. Dustin, when we finished up segment one, we were talking about the issues when you have a name, image, and likeness intertwined with the transfer portal. You put it best. It is becoming about talent acquisition, where instead of name, image, and likeness being a reward to that player uh, once he arrives on campus, it's becoming a way, an incentive to get the player on campus to his site. So we, we cited some examples where Texas A&M ends up with the best recruiting class for the first time in years. It wasn't Alabama or Ohio State, you know, the usual suspects. And we had a situation where a very good wide receiver for Pitt ends up transferring, going to USC. And you could give many examples. The uh, Deion Sanders team, he recruits, gets a star player away from a top, away from Florida State. You have a, a, a kid going to Tennessee, a recruit out of high school who allegedly is being paid millions of dollars. And all of these examples are getting thrown out there as to what is wrong with name, image, and likeness. My question to you is, what is wrong with that? Is there a problem with, you know, Lincoln Riley going to USC for a boatload of money and leaving Oklahoma in the lurch? Nobody seemed to have a problem with that. So why is there a problem when Jordan Addison leaves Pitt and does the same thing, goes to USC for the money? I mean, I think all these things are tied together into what college football is trying to deal with right now. And what, you know, what I would say is, um, you know, there's basically a revolution going on in college football, more so than any other sport because of how high profile, how much money there is um, out there. You know, players are trying to get more freedom. They've been trying to get more freedom for, what, eight or ten years in a, in a pretty public way. And freedom of movement, freedom to change their mind if they're stuck in a bad situation at a school without being penalized. And then obviously along the way with, you know, the Ed, had the Ed O'Bannon suit for um, that took a long time to play out over name, image, likeness. They've been trying to get some piece of this pie for a long time now. And it, revolutions, Jim, are seldom clean and tidy, you know, and this is a messy situation because, all this stuff seems to be happening at once. And again, I will say this probably a bunch more times on the show. It didn't have to be this way. If, if these if these powers that be would have stopped trying to protect um, the, the interests of, of their leagues and their television contracts, their laws, you know, the, the idea of amateurism, they could have worked together and found something that, that got started where there wasn't so many loopholes available to exploit. So I do think this is a temporary situation, uh, the messiness of it. Uh, you're gonna, the, the lasting things are going to be 
Player movement is going to be more prominent than ever. There will be money changing hands, but I think there will be some uh, rules in place that that minimize how much that the it's about acquisition and more about rewarding somebody for a, a good or service that they provide. Um, in, in general, I don't think name image likeness is bad. I don't think the transfer portal is bad. I just think they were both unleashed without a whole lot of thought or safeguards in place. And when you do that in this environment, Jim, with so much money and so many donors and so many interests and television money and college football playoff, you know, there's so much um, competitiveness amongst coaches who are fighting for their life every single day. They're fighting for their job every single day. And it's gotten more and more this way with the way the recruiting calendar is. I know we'll touch on that a little bit. And the way that they have to recruit their own players, the way they have to monitor the transfer portal, the way that they've got to go all out uh, with re- with recruits in the high school uh, age group now, the way they've got to worry about these collectives and things like that, about how they can structure themselves to be able to be competitive on the financial side of it. I mean, college coaches are literally fighting for their jobs every single day. So you don't think that there's an advantage to be had and they're not going to try to exploit it down to the very last, you know, uh, dime. They absolutely are. So, Dustin, so far when we talk about uh, people who have had issues with it, like Nick Saban has had an issue with it, Pat Narduzzi has an issue with it, you saw, and in your notes, you sent me a quote from Gene Smith, who's the athletic director at Ohio State. Um, what's going on? It, it's the inducement pieces. We got to kill that. If we don't kill that now, forget it. Every, well, my question is, what exactly is going to go wrong? The fact is, Texas A&M ended up with the number one recruiting class last year. Somebody has to be number one. Isn't it actually a step towards parity that it wasn't Alabama this year? Now, the, the question is, do you want it to be a situation where you can just flat out write a check for parity? You know, that, I, I think that's the issue. And, and you, you make a good point about whether it's Nick Saban or Pat Narduzzi or Gene Smith or anybody else, you know, where you're trying to separate from this ongoing movement is self-interest versus the, the greater interests of college football. And there's a lot of self-interest protection going on right now. And I do think, you know, Gene Smith, you can you can discount him because of the role that he plays at Ohio State. One of the powers that stands to lose some of its its firm grip on, on things if, if things get out of control. Um, I, you can discount that if you want, but I do think he makes a good point that, you know, when he says what's going on on college campuses with existing scholarship athletes, is uh, is not the problem right now. It's the acquisition. You know, there is truth to that too. And, you know, do you want to, it might lead to parity, but do you want um, whatever, you know, do you want Purdue to be able to write a $50 million check and, and be able to kind of close that gap? I mean, may, maybe the answer is yes, but I don't think it's the healthy way to go forward. I don't think it's going to be a, a real good precedent setter uh, moving forward either. Well, the way the people who are complaining about this, what their great fear is, could there be a handful of teams with the most money, like a Texas A&M and, you know, name a couple other schools with the big donors, who will acquire the best talent, and then we will have a handful of teams dominating college football. 
Wait a minute. Isn't that what we've had for decades now? Who beyond Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson was, you know, they were the three elite teams for the last 10 years. Is it a bad thing if for the next 10 years, instead of those three, it's Texas A&M, and you used the example of Purdue, maybe it's Tennessee. Again, whether give me the reason why this acquiring talent through money is going to be the ruination of the game, Dustin. I don't know that I believe it's going to be the ruination of the game. You know, the game was already going to this place where you had a select few teams who are really the only ones competing for much of anything. And if that dynamic changes, you know, who am I to judge how it gets there? Um, I think what I'll be fascinated to see, so these are these are open markets, they're free markets. Um, if you're, let's say, Texas A&M and, and their boosters did throw a lot of money around, what is the correcting mechanism of this market? You know, is it, you know, crushing expectations that gets a coach fired faster? Maybe that's a side effect. Is it boosters who now blur the line between their role and their the coaching role? They're, they consider themselves the overlords. Is it boosters who say, like, I spent $10 million and we didn't get anything. That kid sucked. You know, you're, you're paying for talent that it isn't what they're going to be yet. You're not going to hit the mark all the time. How much money are you willing to, to set on fire? And then if you set, a, if you set $5 million on fire on a quarterback and that quarterback doesn't pan out and you look foolish, you're going to be mad at the coach. I mean, there are going to be, you know, the, there are going to be things that, that correct itself over time. Um, you know, that we're talking about, you know, minimum three, four or five years, I think, before you start to really see the effects of all this. But, um, but you know, like if, if this is the way things keep on going, I do think, um, the sport will adjust. I don't think it's, it's the doom of college football. You know, you, you the, the sport has been overrun by greed, uh, for a long time now. Greed's just shifting from universities and programs and, and bowl reps and people like that to the players. And, you know, I, I don't know that that's necessarily automatically a bad thing. Well, then, Dustin, to finish up this segment, I'm making you czar of college football. If there is something wrong, what is it that's wrong and what, how would you fix it? Well, I think just for starters, um, kids coming out of high school, um, I don't know if you if there's a cap on value necessarily. I think anybody who believes in free markets thinks that that will dictate what kids are worth. It's a little nuts right now, but it probably settles down. But I, I do think that you need to enforce the what you're getting in return for that. And you need to be, have some kind of neutral committee assess the value of, of contracts. You know, okay, if you want to be a business or, or a booster or whatever that, that lowers a recruit in, they, it needs to be representative of what you're getting then from that recruit. You know what I mean? Like if, if you're committing to, to sign 10,000 autographs over your four-year career and you get a million dollars for it, now that's a starting point. There's some kind of reasonable expectation with an independent committee that can kind of judge what you're giving and what you're getting and at least make sure that's within the ballpark of something fair. Dustin, would it be fair to be able to put into this contract a look five-star quarterback that I'm giving a lot of money for you to come to Tennessee, something that requires you to stay at Tennessee for more than one year? 
I think there might be room to get creative with these contracts. And just like you see in professional sports, maybe there are, are um, sliders that if you start 10 games, you get this much. If you start 20 games, you get this much. If you get start 30 games, if you finish your career here, if you spend at least three years here, you know, there's probably a lot of different things you can do. I don't know how, if there's any kind of slippery slope to that, but at least it's something. At least there's something concrete and not just like, I'll, I'll throw as much money as it takes to get this kid on campus. At least there's something there that that is somewhat binding, that is an exchange of services in exchange for that money. That would be not, the problem is you're going to run into is if there's incentives in how you play, that becomes something very, very different than name, image, and likeness. And um, I do think that might be the slippery slope I think if they want to, if they could somehow enforce not incentivizing a high school kid to come to this school for the money. Once they get there, if they do something, that's fine. But you can't get to them before then. All right, Dusty, that's it for quarter number two. We're going to continue the conversation in quarter number three. Stay tuned. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind we are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com. 